This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. pray for everyone this morning, just put anointing on you, and just say when we do pray for us, we're just going to just, you know, just put oil, just anoint you with oil, uh, no long prayers, just anoint you with oil, and it's really for us to say, God, I need anointing for this particular situation this year, and I just want a fresh anointing in that area of my life, and so you're just asking by faith, you're believing by faith, as you're anointed by oil, that's going to be a fresh anointing that's going to enable you for for whatever service, whatever calling, whatever God wants to do in your life, and you just want a fresh touch in asking God. So it's just ask by faith, really, that we just believe as we anoint people with oil, that God will do a fresh work in your life. I want to read a, a parable, really. It's a, it's a known parable. I just think it's very prophetic in the days in which we live and kind of connects to what we're going to do a bit later. I'm telling you, have a, having a full lamp. And I just think this is so prophetic for the day in which we live. Wherever, almost wherever I'm going at the moment, this this. This kind of parable seems to be right over. But Matthew 25, and we'll start from the first verse. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the, whole, but the wise took oil in their vessels and with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Isn't that a powerful parable? As you read through Matthew 25, there's three parables right there. And they're all related to the fact that Jesus will come again. And you believe Jesus will come again. And not to hear that, but we need to remind ourselves constantly that Jesus is coming again. And I haven't got time to go into it, but those three parables show the different aspects of the ministry of Jesus. In this parable, it reveals to us the aspect of of Jesus being our bridegroom. Jesus, the the bridegroom. That's what he's like. He's like a bridegroom. Now, those of us who've been parents or involved in planning weddings, it's such an incredible, exciting time, 
expensive but an exciting time. And there's two others are going to notice that sooner or later. But it's, it's an exciting time planning your wedding. It's, it's an amazing time. And I think Jesus being bridegroom, it reveals his passion for us. He loves us with such an intensity. He's a bridegroom that wants to win our hearts. That's what he's after. He's after winning our hearts. It's interesting that Jesus' ministry began with a wedding, and it's going to end with a wedding, the wedding of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? And so there's this incredible revelation of Jesus being a bridegroom, wanting to win our hearts and, and, and just loving us with such an intensity of desire. That's awesome, isn't it? Jesus, the bridegroom, loves his bride. To understand this parable, you need to understand something of the culture. This isn't just some story Jesus jumped up. It actually is so related to the culture of the day. In the weddings of the day, the father would arrange the wedding. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that's not so much. But usually in those days, the father would arrange the wedding. And the bridegroom, he would carry money. Okay, it was expensive in those days, which was for the dowry. A contract and wine. And then he would make a proposal to the family. When accepted, the bride would take the wine. Now, I sometimes wonder, was it because... The, 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 the choice of partner wasn't the ideal one, so she took the wine. To, well, no, but, but see, she would take the wine as a sign of acceptance. And then what would happen would be was that the woman would remain at the father's house, at the family house, for preparation. She'd prepare the bridal chamber. But the bride would not know what time or what hour the bridegroom was coming. And everything would be ready, and it was important they had burning lamps. Because when the bridegroom came, there was a shout, the bridegroom is coming. And everybody would kind of run into the street, and there would be a big procession. And everybody would be expectant to carry their own burning lamps and torches. And they would always have flasks because, it was because a burning lamp only burns if it's got an adequate supply of oil. And here it is the key. They never had an adequate supply of oil. See, the Bible calls us burning lamps. The Bible says of John the Baptist that he was like a bright Shining lamp. And that lamp really is our capacity to shine. We're all called to shine our life. Our lamp is our life which is meant to burn forth. Jesus says, let your lamp so shine before men that they might glorify their Father. And the only way that lamp really burns, it's really down to the supply of the oil. Little supply of oil, little light. The greater the light is always dependent on the greater supply of the oil. And I think that's true of our lives. If we're going to be a burning lamp, 
The key is having a supply of the oil of the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? Because what's in you, you manifest out. And a burning light is manifesting the oil within them, the oil of God in them. That's what's manifesting out. The Bible says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness. I kind of think one of the ways we, we manifest that, that light of God is, is by joy. I believe Jesus had the biggest smile possible. There was joy in his life. There was a vibrancy about him, which he got from the oil, the Bible says, of the Spirit. Notice, every one of those virgins had a lamp. The issue was down to the supply of the oil. That was the issue. The lack of oil. They had not an adequate supply of oil. And that's a picture of the Holy Spirit. I just love to think that the same Spirit that raised Christ up from the dead, it's in us. Isn't that wonderful? The same Spirit that raised Christ up from the dead is now at work in and we need the Holy Spirit. We need the fire of God. We need the oil of His presence. And I think the oil speaks of, of the presence of the Spirit. That, that connection of heart with Him. That, that cultivating that secret life with God. Oil in those days was used for lamps. It was used for, for medicine. It was used for food. I've just found this, that when the oil of the Spirit touches your life, it touches it in different ways. It, it synthesizes our hearts so we can feel God moving in us. So we can, it, it gives us a desire for Him. It, it enlarges our desire for Him. It, it illuminates our understanding. It begins to impart to us a zeal for righteousness so we deal with the issues of our life. And I believe the greatest thing we need today is the oil of the Spirit. And here's the key. We need to give our attention to making sure our lives are filled with the oil of the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? Notice this, because if you're not filled with the Spirit of God, where there's a vacuum, you'll be filled with other things. If you're not filled with the Spirit of God, you'll be full of complaining or full of depression or full of dis disappointment or, or full of guilt. And when we're not full of God, we lose the vibrancy. We lose the, the strength and the ability to, to be all that God wants us to be. Be ye filled with the Spirit. Which means be under the influence of the Spirit. Be continually directed by the Spirit. Be continually led by the Spirit. So the key ultimately is to make sure that our vessels are filled with the oil of God. That's the, all that what God requires us to do. To make sure that we are vessels that are continually, day by day, moment by moment, filled with the Spirit of God. That's what we've got to do. Here's a few keys to make sure that you are filled with God, that you can know continually, day-to-day, filling of the oil of God. Here's the first key. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in tongues. I found that an amazing way to make sure 
that I'm daily filled with the Spirit. You know, the Bible says that he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. He builds himself up. He recharges his battery. He builds up his spirit, man. As you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, something comes alive inside you. I'm so glad and I so appreciate the ability to speak in tongues. I can't tell you the times where I felt the heaviness and the oppression and the, and the vulnerability. And just as I prayed in the Spirit, suddenly something has stirred up in me. A new strength has arisen in me. And often what we tend to do is that we can receive that gift. But there's the danger. So often we pull away from it. We, we don't use it as we should do. We don't use it enough. We don't make the most of what God's given to us. And I'd encourage you today to pursue God for that gift. If you haven't got it, if you have got it, stir it up again. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in tongues. And watch that edify you and strengthen your life. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing. Meditate on the Word. If you want to be a person that's continually filled with the Spirit, meditate on the Word of God. Pray that word over your life. Give your attention to it. Have a Bible reading plan. Confess what you believe on a day-to-day basis. Begin to declare the word of God over your life, over your family, over country circumstances. I just believe there's something about declaring the word that often can change atmospheres. It changes atmospheres around you. When you get up each day, you begin to declare the word over your life. You begin to declare there's no weapon that's formed against me that's going to prosper over my life today. And so you begin in the beginning of your day. You feed on that word. You feed your heart with that word. And a person that's filled with the word will be a person that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Here's the next thing, third thing. Appreciate the Holy Spirit. Honor and gratitude gives you access to God. I think every begin to honor, begin to appreciate the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed this? That when you appreciate people, when you honor people, it kind of connects you in relationships. When you fail to show appreciation, when you fail to show honor to people, it kind of affects the relationship. How much more with the Holy Spirit? When I begin to appreciate him. When I say, Holy Spirit, thank you for living in me. Thank you for empowering me. I appreciate you in my life today. See, the Holy Spirit is a person. And because he's a person, you can communicate to him. We all say, we all are so aware of the, of the, of the, of the blessing, can't we? The love of God. When he says, and the communion with the Holy Spirit. In other words, when I think of the Holy Spirit, I think of a person that I can daily communicate with. Just when you're driving your car, say, Holy Spirit, be with me today. Be with me with that boss. Be with me in that job. Holy Spirit, help me to know what to say, what to do. And you just begin to be just so consciously aware and you begin to communicate, begin to talk to the Holy Spirit. 
And he just loves to be recognized. He loves to be appreciated. He loves for you to communicate with him. And as you begin to communicate with him, then guess what? He's going to start communicating with you. You're just saying, Holy Spirit, I recognize you are in my life. Wouldn't it be crazy to have a close relationship with someone that you never speak to and you never communicate to? We've got the Holy Spirit within us, yet we don't always recognize it, we don't acknowledge it, and we don't communicate with the person who's in us. Amen? He's in you. And he wants to reveal and just do amazing things in your life. Here's the fourth thing. If you want to be a person continually filled with the Spirit, practice yielding to him. Say, Holy Spirit, I yield to you this day. I found often it's good sometimes to go through different aspects of your body. Holy Spirit, I just yield my eyes to you. Holy Spirit, I yield my ears to you. Here's a good one. I yield my tongue to you. I yield my hands to you. Help these hands just reach out and touch people. Yield these feet. Direct me. You want me to go. And you just begin to yield the whole of your life on a day-to-day basis to the Holy Spirit. Here's the next thing. Fifth thing. Practice dealing with your issues. Bible says that do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And that word grieve means to call sadness to the heart. And in Ephesians 4, there's a whole list of things that grieves the Holy Spirit. Bitterness grieves the Holy Spirit. Resentment grieves the Holy Spirit. Unforgiveness grieves the Holy Spirit. Anger grieves the Holy Spirit. Talking falsely grieves the Holy Spirit. And there's a whole list of things that grieves the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, don't grieve him. Because if you grieve him, you begin to limit his ability to fill you. Don't grieve the Spirit. One thing about the Holy Spirit, he is so sensitive. Bible calls him a dove. It can be easily grieved. And so we want to live our lives. Another Bible says about Jesus that the, the, the Spirit came on him like a dove. And the Bible says, it, and there's the word, the Spirit remained on him. And that's our goal, to live our lives such a way that the dove remains working and moving in us. We don't want to grieve him or hinder him. The Bible says also we can quench the spirit and that word quench means to to cut off to to block him here's a simple thing all we need to do with the holy spirit is say holy spirit i'm getting out i'm getting out of your way i'm not going to hinder you but i'm going to let you flow with my life that's all we've got to do. Not shut down the Holy Spirit. Not get in his way. Not block him in any way. Not hinder him. And if we will do that, he will flow in our lives in a day-to-day basis. Isn't that amazing? You haven't got to memorize 55 chapters of the Bible to get the Holy Spirit to work through you. You haven't even got to go to, to some you know, thousand miles away to be a missionary. All you've got to do is not hinder the Holy Spirit. Not quench him. But let him flow through you, and you'll be amazed what he can do with your life. That's a simplistic thing. That you're not going to block the Holy Spirit. But let him flow through your life. Can you say amen? 
And so Jesus says the most vital thing you can do is to make sure that you are a vessel filled with the Spirit. Because if you're filled with the Spirit, you will be a burning lamp. You will manifest. You will reveal God to those around you. You think about it. If I'm filled with the all of the Spirit, I'll have love, which I'll manifest out. If I'm filled with the Spirit, there'll be a joy about me. If I'm filled with the Spirit, there'll be a peace about me. If I'm filled with the Spirit, there'll be wisdom. If I'm filled with the Spirit, there'll be be long-suffering and patience. All these things aren't some turn just kind of closed inside, but they're meant to be released outside of me. And a burning lamp is burning what God has already put within you. Can you say amen? Now notice this in verse 3. It says, those who were foolish, what did they do? They took no oil. They were so busy with their lives, doing this, doing that, that they never built up an adequate supply of oil. And because of that, they lacked the substance of oil when they absolutely, deeply needed it. I sometimes feel sometimes. Do you ever feel sometimes the lack of the substance of God? You've lost the flow of the Spirit and you know you've lost it. See, one thing they realized was they lacked oil because they'd not given attention to building that supply of oil. When we lose the oil, we become aware that that our lives are are dimming out. The influence we once knew is, is, is waning. The wise, we are told, made their priority to be a person that had an adequate supply of oil. And I would say today that a wise believer is somebody who puts a very, very high priority on being filled with the Spirit. He makes that his priority because he realizes if if he's got that right, then everything else will come out of it. Everything else will flow from it. Everything else will be dealt with. Everything else will, will come right if he's got that right. If he's got that adequate supply of the Spirit. Notice this. That when Jesus turned up or the bridegroom turned up, there was no explanation. There was just the consequences of having no oil. Look at verse 5. Because verse 5 tells us why they didn't have a supply of oil. It says... It says, but while the bridegroom was delayed, they slumbered and they slept. They had no oil because they were spiritually asleep. Ever had that experience? Had a dream? And you're so glad when you woke up. (laughs) I'm glad that was a dream. You know? I dreamt I was wearing a Man United football strip or something. Oh, that was horrible. Nightmare. You know, or or ever had a a dream, I don't know. Ever had that one running? 
And you just seem to be running, but you don't get anywhere. I read that one. I'm sure there's some prophetic insight into that. But, but you know, some dream, and you think, I am so glad that was a dream. I'm just so glad that wasn't real. So glad that that was just some dream I had. This is what it's like spiritually. Because when you're in a dream, you know, I, 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 can you dream some of the amazing things you've done in your dreams? I dreamt I, I once scored the winning goal at Wembley. I, was all, I, loved, I didn't want to wake up. That was amazing, that was. And you, you begin to feel in your dreams that you're doing things that you never, ever naturally could do. I think it's true spiritually. When we're spiritually asleep, we suddenly find ourselves not doing things if we were spiritually awake. If we were spiritually awake, we'd see our need of prayer. If we were spiritually awake, we'd see the need for God's purpose to work in our life. If we're spiritually awake, we hear the heart cry of the lost. If we're spiritually awake, we see the need of the reality of his presence. It's when we are spiritually asleep, things pass us by. We don't see the priorities we don't see the things that we need to see. We don't live the way we should live because this slumber has got a hold of us. I heard someone say, a well-known prophetic guy said this. He says, the biggest issue with the Western church today is a spirit of apathy. And a spiritual apathy creates a spiritual slumber, a spiritual asleep. You think about it. When did the condition of people without Christ really grip our hearts and really stir us and move us. When was the last time we thought, God, I just need to seek your face. I need to fast. I need to do these things. And that's why really we're having this season because this season is a time where we kind of wake up from it. We get the cutting edge back. Our eyes get opened. We become spiritually perceptive to the things that are around us. We become spiritually perceptive to spiritual forces that are working in our day. Spiritual powers of darkness. Only a spiritual perception begins to recognize that. Because sometimes we can be dull to what the enemy is doing right around us. We just don't see it. We just don't recognize it. We just don't see our own condition maybe sometimes because we can be asleep to it. And we don't see our need for oil because we become spiritually asleep to recognize our need for it. Amen? And notice what happened in verse 6. They began to, verse 6 said that, And at midnight cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. It's this sense that Jesus is coming and he's got a burning heart, a burning desire. But the point is that we've got to position ourselves to encounter him when he comes. We've got to position ourselves to engage him when he comes. That's what it's all about. This is what this is all about. It's all about positioning ourselves. It's all about getting ourselves ready for God coming and doing what he wants to. That's really what it's all about. Filled with the oil of God, prepared and ready for whatever he has planned for us. Can you say amen? Notice what they said in verse 8. 
The foolish said, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. In other words, we're saying we're not having the impact with our lives that we once used to have. Whenever we've lost the cutting edge, whenever we're not having the impact that we should be having in our lives and corporately and individually, I tell you, it's all down to lack of oil. That's the issue. It's down to lack of oil. See, do you remember when that oil was there? And we created. Do you remember when you really had a passionate love for Jesus? Do you remember when you just loved to read his word? You just couldn't wait to witness to someone. You couldn't wait to spend time in his presence. And you just used to love to, 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 to really be, to serve him and do things for him. When you used to be so excited and enthusiastic and zealous for the things of God. But once the oil begins to run low, then we begin to lose those things in our life. We no longer have a passion for the word. We no longer have a passion for worship. We no longer have a passion for witness. Because it's all connected to the supply of oil. The lower the supply of oil, the little passion we're going to have. But when you're filled with the oil, the result will be incredible passion for the things of God. That's how it's going to work. That's how it works. And notice what they said. They said, give us what you have. We want the oil that you have. You know what? You can't transfer preparation of heart. The oil, if you like, is given. God is no respecter of persons. It comes from people who are going to pay, if you like, the price. They're building a devotional life. They're seeking to walk in obedience They're committed to God. They're serving. They're giving. They're walking in love. And as those are characteristics of their life, the result is a life that's filled with the oil of God. Anybody who's filled with the oil of God is only filled with the oil of God because they were willing to pay the price to get filled with the oil of God. They were willing to pay the price. And I'm not talking about something you earn. I'm talking about something you invest in. How many would say that being filled with the oil of God is a great investment? I think it's the greatest investment you can ever give. And so if it's such an important commodity, if it's such an important uh, quality of life, then I'm willing to invest where I need to invest to receive it. Amen? And that's what it's about. Saying, God, I really want this life. I really want a spirit-filled life. I really want to experience the oil of God in my life. And I'm willing to invest my life in order to constantly live in it. Can you say amen? Almost close. It says in verse 10, And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him to the wedding. And notice this, the door was shut. And I think there can be lots of connections about the door, but let me just say this. I think it speaks, a door always speaks in the Bible of opportunity. And it's almost when the oil wasn't there, opportunities were lost. When we're not filled with oil, people aren't reached that should be reached. When we're not filled with oil, 
we don't have the impact that we could have had. We don't have the influence we could have had. We look back and think, if only at that point in time I had the oil. I know I could have said the things I needed to be said. I know I could have loved them the way they needed to be loved. I know I could have comforted them the way they needed to be comforted. I know I could have been all that they, they needed right there, but because I lacked the oil, the door of opportunity was closed. A door was hindered, because, and I missed the opportunity because I never was filled with the oil when I should have been filled with the oil. Isn't that a challenge? See, God, each moment, often these opportunities are there. But it's only when we're filled with the oil are we able to fully grasp those opportunities and use them for his glory. Amen? And the Bible says, don't let the, the doors of opportunity close because you weren't filled with oil. There's a powerful word again in verse 12. And he answered and said to them, Assuredly I say to you, I do not know you. That's a powerful word. Now, one of the, one of the, ex, one of the, the reasons, one of the, things, one of the ways the word, that word means, that word know is a word for intimacy. Whenever you word yourself to the word know, it basically means to know someone in an intimate way, a close way. And Jesus says, actually, I never knew you in an intimate way. I never knew you in a close way. You weren't really connected in your heart to me. You never really opened your heart to the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we weren't really intimately connected. We weren't close. We weren't intimate. That's what oil does. Oil brings you into intimacy with Jesus. It makes you know him in a way you've never known him before. The oil of the Spirit makes you know Jesus in a way so real. You can touch him. You can feel him. You're aware of him. He's so close to you. Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what? You're filled with Jesus. And the more I know the Holy Spirit, the more I know Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit has come to reveal Jesus to me. And he says, watch, therefore watch. And that word watch means to watch with prayer. What it means to stay spiritually vibrant. Keep connected. Keep connected with God. You think about this. I'll close, almost close. One, but last, if you like. You think about it. There was a certain time in their life where they were, the, had Jesus come, had the bridegroom come a couple of weeks before, they'd have been ready for it. Is that right? They'd have been ready. But because he came at that moment, they weren't ready. Yeah, had he come a few weeks earlier, they would have been ready. That tells me I can't live off yesterday's experience. No matter how awesome, how great, how amazing those moments were, the issue is not where if I was filled with God, the issue is, is am I filled now? Because God is the God of for now. And he says, so keep yourself vibrant. Not a one-off thing, but it's got to be on a daily thing. 
It's almost this picture. We never know when Jesus is coming. We never know the moment. But I believe we can even take it to, um, to, to an even deeper way, in a sense, we never know when his presence is going to powerfully be released upon us. We never know when those moments are going to come. And so each time we've got to be prepared and ready. And he says, the midnight cry has gone out. And the door was shut, never to be opened today. I close with this challenge. If today was the last day of your life, how differently would you live your life? How differently would it be? I'll tell you one thing you make sure you do. I think you would make sure you are filled with the Spirit of God. I mean, would make that a high priority. There's lots of other things you deal with, but I think why very high on your list would be God. <laughs> I want to be filled with you. I want to be ready. I want to be prepared. And so all this parable is about of Jesus saying, look, make sure you're a vessel that's filled with the oil of God. Ready, prepared, ready to go. Amen? Filled with overflowing. Filled with God. Filled with all the fullness of God is the cry of Father's heart. Let's just come in front right now in these moments. What a great declaration today. And in the moment, as we maybe just place all on you, that's just symbolic. It's just, there's no power in the all itself. But what we are saying is, Lord, op- Lord I open my heart to you to receive all that you have for me for this coming year. I need greater infillings. I need greater infillings of the Spirit. So what we're going to do in these moments, we're going to just pray, we're going to anoint people with oil. But also, wherever your need is, wherever you need fresh anointing for in this coming year, also make sure, saying, God, today, I want to make sure I'm just filled with overflowing with your Spirit. So open your heart and let God fill you anew and afresh. That's what we need. We can't do it without Him. We can't be filled. We can't achieve anything what we want to achieve. Not by might, not by power. But it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. What we're going to do, I think we're going to pray for, I think we're going to pray for the children, for the parents. So just stand for a few moments. Just have a few moments to take your own heart, a few quiet moments. Just prepare your own heart and then we'll pray for them, we'll pray for the musicians. Thank you for listening to this free download from Lunch Easy Love Church. For more downloads, information, or contact us, please visit our website, thelunchleadum.co.uk.